Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast and Wholesaling Lease Options. I'm glad you guys are here. This is Joe McCall. And those of you that don't know, um, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. We talk about that on every podcast. We have the Fast Cash Survival Kit, and you can get it for free. It's yours. And on there, Alex and I teach you how we do deals and how we find virtual assistants, how we do all of our marketing, how we set up our systems. And it's pretty cool. It's free at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And let me say one other thing, too. Uh, just recently, we had a uh, contest. I gave away an iPad, and I asked everybody who uh, wanted to if you could leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher for the podcast, and you get a chance to enter into the drawing. So we did. We actually I announced it already, but we we gave away the iPad, and it was awesome. I so appreciate. We got over seventy different reviews. Um, I wanted to get over three hundred. <laughs> we were at like two hundred and eighty, and we're at about three hundred and sixty-seven. Uh, reviews now on iTunes, and I didn't see one negative review, which was <laughs> which was so awesome. You didn't have to leave a positive review to enter into the drawing to win the iPad. Um, so I might do that again. I'm actually looking at my shelf here, and I have uh, a couple Kindles. I have a um, another iPad, believe it or not, and an iPhone. And either I'm going to sell these things on eBay, or I might just give them away, do another contest or something like that. So I appreciate all of you guys that left a review. I really Really appreciate it. I know Alex appreciates appreciates it too. Now, Alex couldn't be with us on this podcast today, but we have a really special guest. His name is Murphy, and uh, Murphy is that your last name? Is is that what you? It is okay. So um, you're you go by Murphy, and you are in the St. Louis area with me, where I am. And uh, what do you think of this weather lately? Isn't <laughs> hasn't it been crazy? It has, but I tell you, it's been very different, that's for sure. It's mid-January right now, and yesterday it got up to 70 degrees, and it was, like, humid. My my boys were playing outside, and, and they, they complained about how hot it was outside. Um, so the weather's been crazy here in St. Louis, and I'm assuming, Murphy, you are a Cardinals fan, right? Absolutely. That's awesome. We don't uh, get too many Cardinal fans on the show, so anytime we have one, I get all excited. Um, you have some kids, too. You have a lot of kids. I saw on your website. How many kids do you have? I have five children altogether. That is so awesome. I have four. Alex, our co-host, has four, I think, as well. Um, I love I love this business because it gives us a lot of time and freedom to uh, have big families and do some cool things with them. I have a lot of kids. Uh RP, I mean Murphy. I'm sorry. I call you RP because you go on your uh, on your website. It's RP Murphy, but you go by Murphy. So I'm sorry if I call you RP. Oh, you're fine. I answer to either one. People have just been calling me Murphy since I was a kid, so it kind of just sticks. But either one is just fine. Well, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. I really do, guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Murphy. Um, when I was first getting into the business back in 2008, 2009. Um, there was this, and you were, well, first of all, let me ask you, before I put my foot in my mouth, when did you start actually doing 
business as a realtor uh, doing lease options, Murphy? Well, we started the lease purchase program right around 2008. I've had my real estate license for 10 years now. Okay. So I guess that means I got my license in 2007. Yeah. And um, we actually started the lease purchase program when the whole subprime market collapsed. You know, when that yeah. big everything went to the fan, that's when we started doing lease purchases. Good. I'm glad my memory was right because I was going to say, I remember when I got started in 2008, 2009. Um, seeing you and your website everywhere, and you were doing a lot of marketing, and I was really impressed, and I've always been impressed with the your your presence in St. Louis in the lease purchase market as a realtor, and um, doing it doing this business above board because as we all know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do lease purchasing, right? And if you don't do it the right way, you can get a bad rap, and um, a lot of people, you know, this is the this podcast, Murphy, I know you know this, but um, we we mainly target uh, investors. I mean, most of our listeners are investors, but a lot of our listeners are uh, are realtors, and I'm actually a licensed realtor myself as well. And um, a lot of investors don't really, how should I say this? I don't think they appreciate um, the value and the importance of having a real estate license. And I always encourage people to get their license. And I think especially if you're doing lease options or lease purchasing, it's important that you have your realtor's license. Um, and so that's one of the things we're going to talk to with Murphy about. Um, but, yeah, you've been in the business a long time, plugging away, Murphy. is uh, Business is going well still, I think, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like it gets a little better and better every year there. Well, that's awesome. So can you, can you talk, tell us about 2007? Why did you start? to get involved in real estate? Why did you get your realtor's license? Well, I, at that time, I was a mortgage broker. So I had been a mortgage broker. I started uh, in the mortgage business in the beginning of 2004. Okay. And the way my mortgage business um, uh, kind of came together uh, towards 2005, 2006, 2007 is I was basically concentrating on all purchase business. Okay. So... And here I was, I was advertising for the buyers, you know, I was finding people off the street that wanted to buy homes and I would help them to obtain a mortgage, you know, in order to buy a house. And I was just referring those clients out to other real estate agents. And, uh, you know, I'm not that sharp of a guy, but eventually I figured out, hey, you know what, I can just go get my own license and um, could do both. Yeah. And so uh, for a time there, I was the, both the, the mortgage broker and the real estate agent. Wow. And so that's how I got my real estate license. I said, hey, why not go just go get my own license, and then I could uh, just take care of everything all in-house there. And do you still do that, or do you work with other mortgage brokers now? Yeah, now I work with other mortgage brokers. When um, I, I stopped doing mortgages when you had to become licensed to become a loan officer, okay. which I think was a great idea. I don't know why that didn't happen earlier, but I really didn't want to have two licenses, and I wanted to concentrate just on the real estate there. Okay, so can uh, do they allow you to have both? I think you are allowed. You're, you're held to a little higher standard, which is probably correct. I think there has to be a certain amount of disclosure. And you can't quote me on that, Joe, because I've been out of that business for a long time. Okay. Um, but I think it is possible. I think there's a few people out there that maybe do still do both. But I know that there's you know a lot of disclosure. And um, yeah, I, I felt for myself, it would be, be better just to concentrate on sure. one or the other. And do you... Do, do do realtors do you make more money as a realtor or as a mortgage broker? 
Well, that's a good question. You know, um, there were some years where in the mortgage business where I made a couple of small fortunes and then I've made a lot of money in real estate also. I think it's just, you know, in our business, Joe, it's just how you apply yourself. You know, I think a, a top, you know, real estate agent is going to do just as well as a top mortgage broker. You know, I think the pay structure has changed a lot in the mortgage business now. Yeah. So I'm really not sure how those guys are compensated. I think it's a little different than, you know, back when I did it there. Yeah, I don't think there's as many mortgage brokers <laughs> today no. as there used to be. I think that's. No, I think you're right about that. I think that's a safe statement. Um, there were so many. I remember in those days, man, in 2005, 2006, there were mortgage brokers everywhere, um, out the wazoo. Everybody was a mortgage broker, and uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember meeting at that time. I was buying a lot of properties, and um, you know, to go to some of these mortgage brokers' offices, you're wondering, like, how long have you been in business? But anyway. Um, so why did you decide then to get involved with lease purchasing? And do you prefer the term lease purchase over lease option? Yeah, you know, I that's what we do is we do a lease purchase. Okay. So, yeah, we, we call them lease purchases. Um, but, yeah, in answer to your question, Joe, I guess it was out of necessity. You know, um, you know, the business just completely shifted in, in 2008, you know, as you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody could get a mortgage there for a little while and then kind of like the tap was just turned off. And I said, what the heck am I going to do? I had a bunch of people that I was advertising for that still wanted to buy homes, but they couldn't get a loan anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you know, Joe, probably rightly so. Their, their credit really wasn't in a position to where they probably should have been, should have been able to obtain a mortgage, you know, yeah. in hindsight. Um, and so we kind of thought about what if we could put this, you know, guy or gal into a house and then let's work with them on their credit so they could get a really good loan at the end of the lease. And we just kind of uh, we just kind of offered it just as uh, like a little extra thing that we could do. You know, hey, if we can't get them qualified. Let's do a lease to purchase. And it just took off like wildfire just with a little minimal amount of advertising that we started, we just got an overwhelming response back in 2007, 2008, 2009. I mean, it was just bananas, you know, and then when we put a little bit of advertising to it, I mean, we would literally get hundreds of phone calls every day about people that wanted to buy a home, couldn't get the subprime loan anymore, mm -hmm. but still wanted to have that dream of, you know, of having a house. And you still today uh, get a ton of leads whenever you do your marketing, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, you still get a ton of uh, responses and leads, don't you, every day? We sure do. Yeah, I mean, my phone just rings off the hook, you know, all day long, you know, every day. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I love about the lease purchase business is, as compared to real estate investing, it's so much easier to find buyers. Um, now, Murphy, why did you choose to work with buyers first and not work with sellers first? It's a great question, Joe. I've just always worked with buyers. Uh, I've never really worked with sellers. I've sold, you know, probably uh, over a thousand houses in my real estate career, and maybe just a handful of them have been uh, sellers. And I have nothing against the seller market. I've just always worked as a buyer's agent. Even back in the mortgage days, you know, I, instead of concentrating on refinances, you know, I mainly helped people, you know, to buy houses. I always concentrate on the purchase business. So it just kind of came over from the mortgage business. I was in the mortgage business advertising for buyers. 
And I just kind of kept it going from there. And um, I take my hat off to the listing agents out there because I wouldn't even know how to sell your house. You know, if I showed up at your house, I would have no clue on what to say to you. <laughs> you know, as a as an investor, I find that um, – and, and by the way, and just so I'm curious, Murphy, how familiar are you with investing terms like uh, wholesaling? Do you, do, you, are you, do you know what that is? Pretty much so, yeah. Okay, good. So as an investor and a realtor, I find it's easier to wholesale houses if you have the buyers first. I've, I've, I've said and taught this for years. It's much easier to shop for what buyers want than to sell them what you have. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right on, and you're, you've probably, you probably make more money as a realtor um, even when you have the buyers first. I'm going to guess. I'm not a realtor expert. I'm not a listing expert. I've never listed properties. But when you have the buyers first, it's just so much easier to shop for what they want than to try to sell people what you have. Do you understand the difference? Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Good. So um, you, you've you been working with buyers, and you've just stuck with that. It's almost 10 years now. Uh, not too many people could say that in the business, which is one of the things I was so excited about having you on the podcast. You, a lot of people come and go in this business, don't they? You know, a lot of realtors just try it out for a little bit and they quit and give up. And a lot of investors uh, don't stay as long as you have. And so hats off to you <laughs> for being here well, so long. Well, I appreciate it, Joe. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. So how did you learn the lease purchase business at the beginning? What Did you buy some books? Did you? How did you learn about it? It was really just trial and error, just to be completely honest with you. We, we had the people that wanted a home, and we just didn't have a mechanism to help them to buy the house anymore when the subprime loans dried up. Okay. And so it was just all trial and error. Um, you know, uh, we just thought of that concept of, hey, let's do a lease to purchase. And then it, we just started kind of putting it together from there. We didn't have any problems with finding the folks to get them to come in the door. That was a pretty easy part right. uh, of running the advertising. You know, we kind of figured that part out. And then it was just really a point of, of, of finding the homes uh, so that we had the inventory, you know, for the clients. Okay. And at that time, you know, when the market was kind of drying up there, more and more sellers were putting their homes on the market for a lease to purchase. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I was able to go into the MLS, you know, as a realtor and pull up a certain area and, and just click in uh, how we can as, as, a, as an agent of uh, the selling terms and extract those homes where the seller was willing to consider at least a purchase. And then we would also get a little creative. You know, I could run a home search. Like if you told me, Joe, I want to live in, you know, Crestwood with a three-bedroom, two-bath, well, I could pull up homes that were for sale in Crestwood that were not a foreclosure and not a short sale, but maybe had been on the market for 90 days or longer, um, which is not too terribly common in our market right now, but back then there was a lot of homes that were sitting on the market for uh, for quite a while. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. And so I would put together that search for those clients, and if they found one that they were interested in, I would just send over a lease purchase offer to the listing agent. A lot of times I wouldn't even talk to the listing agent about it. I would just get the offer presented. You know, as you know, the law states if you, you, you know, if you send an offer to the listing agent, they have to present it to the seller. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how many times we would get those offers accepted or get a counter offer. You know, so here that seller was not really uh, 
thinking about doing a lease to purchase, but maybe the home was vacant, had been on the market for 90 days, 120 days, and we were able to put a deal together that worked out for everybody. That is amazing. That's really nice. And so can you explain how, how do you make your money, Murphy? Well, the majority of our money is made uh, on the tying to the sale of the house. But in the beginning, we, had, we figured out, you know, hey, this is not going to really work if we can't make some upfront money. Um, so what we charge every client $250 when they enter into the lease to purchase program. Okay. So the client comes in, they sign a buyer's agency contract, they retain my services, and they pay uh, $250 to the brokerage to hire me for, for my time. And uh, we started doing that probably the first month in the business. And what we found out is that's going to separate the clients that are serious from the ones that are not serious there. Yeah. And you have to value your time in this business. And you, you, when you have an upfront fee like that, um, I think it shows the buyers, your potential clients, that, hey, you're serious about doing business there. And um, if you don't value your time, nobody else will value your time. So we, we charge them up front $250, and then when they sign the buyer's agency agreement, it says that we charge a minimum of $1,000 plus half of the first month's rent to be paid as commission when the lease purchase contract is executed. And my buyer's agency contract, the amendment says that I will attempt to collect that from the seller of the property. So when we make an offer in a home, we ask that the seller pay us a $1,000 bonus and half of the first month's rent. But the contract says if, they, if they're not willing to do that, then the seller will pay the difference. So basically we make two fifty dollars up front and then half of the first month's rent and $1,000 when we found in the house there. Okay. And then do you make the rest of the commission, which would be the, you know, if, 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 a, if a seller's agreed to pay 6% commission, you get the other 3% when, if and when the house sells in a year or two? Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, do you get um, this thousand dollars plus half a month's rent up front? Does that count towards the commission you get in the future, or is that future commission in the future separate and in addition to this? Does that make sense? No. Nope. Yeah, completely separate. Uh, the the half of the first month's rent and the thousand dollars is just commission for putting the deal together, and then our commission is then paid by the seller, by whatever they had in the MLS as the payout there, which is normally the 3% or 2.7%. Yeah, well, so that's so frustrating to me here in St. Louis, too. You, you get these 2.7% commission structures. Um, but anyway, that's, an, <laughs> that's another story, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that was just for St. Louis, isn't it? Well, so, I, maybe it's not, but, you know, there's some markets where you'll see 3.5% on there. And, hey, uh, that should be. There you go. <laughs> right. Um, so just so I'm clear though, you'll if the if the if the listing says you get two point seven percent if you bring a buyer, you get the two fifty for upfront from the tenant buyer, you get a thousand dollars plus half the first month's rent from the seller, and if not from the seller, then from the tenant buyer, is that right? Correct. Okay. But then at in, in a year, if and when the tenant buyer buys the home, you still get another two point seven percent commission on the back end. That is correct, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Now, is that all negotiable? Couldn't you make more money up front? I mean, if, let's say you found a tenant buyer that has $10,000 they want to put down on the home, all right? Um, couldn't you maybe get more of your commission up front or negotiate something with the listing agent to get more money up front? Absolutely. Yep, it happens all the time that way. 
So okay. the thousand is the minimum. That's the minimum that we'll accept as a thousand dollar bonus. And then absolutely, you know, I remember a couple of years ago we had a guy that came in that uh, put twenty percent down. So he put like forty six thousand dollars down, and we were able to negotiate a higher uh, split on that. So okay, so you thousand can... is the minimum, but it's pretty pretty often that we're able to get a little bit more than that. Okay, now can I ask you a question about escrow? Um, mm-hmm. So if a tenant buyer has ten twenty thousand dollars to put down on a home. Um, does that money just go to the seller or are there requirements that that money has to sit in an escrow account? It just, it depends. We've done it both ways there. Okay. We've done it where it's been set up just uh, in escrow at a title company. We've had to set up an escrow with an attorney. Then we've had it just set up uh, straight to the seller there. Okay. So it doesn't really it, – it's, it's kind of whatever the, the listing agent and you kind of uh, – well, I guess it's not up to you, is it? But it's kind of whatever the the listing agent and the seller want. Yeah, and I'd say it's somewhat negotiable. But yeah, okay. I think, you know, in the end, you know, it, it's probably going to be what the seller, you know, is willing to do there. Okay. And that's one thing that I feel more comfortable with is when there is a listing agent involved. That way, I feel like that there is a licensed professional that is handling the other side of the transaction. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of one of my clients, do you know, uh, like I'm getting ready to close a deal next month where the client put twelve thousand dollars up front. You know, if the if it was just a seller out there that was a Fizbo, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I do have a little bit better feeling that hey, this twelve thousand. Everything's going to be above board since there is another agent representing, you know, the seller on the property there. Okay, interesting. What percent yeah. um, – now, today, I know you can go to the MLS and you can find um, homes that are listed for available for lease purchase. Um, but that, that number is probably smaller today than it was back in 2009. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and a lot of times when I've looked at it in the past, it seems like a majority of the homes are kind of run down in poor neighborhoods. Um, are there still homes that you can find actually listed as lease a purchase option available that are in the nicer suburbs areas? There are, but the inventory is definitely lower than what, you know, what, it's, what it's ever been there. But we've kind of adapted somewhat, and now we have a couple of investors that we work with where if we have a lease purchase candidate, they will actually go out, buy the home, and then Mm. turn around the lease purchase with our client. So that's been a real help to us. And then I guess the other thing that we've been doing, Joe, here in the last, you know, couple of years is just getting, I don't know if you find this, but it's getting easier and easier for buyers to now qualify for mortgages. Yeah. So a lot of my lease purchase clients are coming in and I'm able to, um, you know, refer them to a lender who can tell them to, hey, do this, this and this on your credit. And now they're buyers, you know, maybe in just two or three months. So we're still doing a lot of lease purchases, but I'd say it's, it's getting more of a, of a 50-50 now where a lot of clients that come in for a lease to purchase, they're really ready to buy in the next two to three months. And so instead of them getting a lease purchase home, um, I'm just able to sell them a home just a traditional route. They're wow. still coming in for the lease purchase, but now they're turning in the buyers just a lot faster. Nice. So you, that's fantastic. You get them to work with a credit repair broker, mortgage broker, helps them rebuild their credit, right? And then yeah. you will, you represent them, you become their buyer's agent, right? And help Absolutely. them find a house. You get then 
maybe bigger commission, bigger money up front with that. Yep, absolutely. Cool, cool. So if how like how practical is that though? I mean, you get an application come in. This tenant buyer has uh, two months, three months to get a mortgage. Um, do you do you uh, sign a buyer's agency agreement with them at that point, or do you wait another three months before you sign it with them? Absolutely. If they want me to do any kind of work for them, they're going to pay $250 and sign a buyer's agency contract. Right then and there. You got it. Beautiful. And then, then how long do you make that agreement for? I'm just curious. Well, it depends. That would kind of, it's a great question. Uh, it would just kind of depend on how far off I, I thought that they were. Typically, when somebody comes in for the lease purchase program, they get 60 days for the $250. So they hire me for, they got 60 days of real estate representation and they can extend that out for, you know, another 60 days for $250. But if somebody comes in, Joe, and their credit score is like at 570, you know, I see that they only have one or two little things to pay off. I kind of know in my mind that it's going to really, this is going to turn into a straight purchase deal. They may be coming in for the lease to purchase program, but I've done so many of them, I can figure out, hey, you know what? They're going to get a better deal if they can just outright buy. So maybe then I'll make their, you know, buyer's agency agreement maybe four months or so, four or five months, you know, to, just to give us plenty of time there. Okay. That makes sense. Very good. Um, do you have any kickback from buyers that, you know, kind of are uh, um, don't want to sign that long of a commitment to, to agree to, to, you know, work with you? Does that make sense? Not really, Joe, because I guess our clients are a little different. You know, maybe if they were like a traditional buyer, possibly. But a lot of our clients are folks that, quite frankly, the other real estate agents have said, hey, you know, I can't do anything for you. They've already been turned away by a couple of real estate agents, a couple mm -hmm. of mortgage companies, you know, and that they appreciate somebody that's out there that will really work with them. Um, you know, you can't really keep them out of your office, quite frankly. They're just coming in to see you. They're happy that somebody is willing to work with them. And they've been told no a couple of different times, mm -hmm. and they're happy that they got a yes now. <laughs> that is one of the things I love about the lease purchase business. You really are helping people um, yeah. more so than the traditional way of, of real estate. Um, now, a lot of realtors, Murphy, complain about working with buyers. I mean, if you had the most realtors, if they had the choice of working with sellers or buyers, um, think that working with sellers is better. Uh, and wh why do you think that is and, and why have you chosen to be more of a buyer's agent? You know, I guess that's a great question. Uh, that's all I've ever done is is buyers, so I really couldn't I couldn't tell you what it would be like to work with a seller. Um, I just like the idea of working with a buyer, and that's my job is to find that buyer a house there. Okay. You know, with a seller, you know, I I don't want somebody calling me up asking me, "Hey, why hasn't my home sold? Why hasn't this happened? Are you going to come over to do an open house?" You know, da 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 da. Although, I guess, you know, in the market that we were in last, uh, this past summer, it would have probably been great to have been a seller's agent out and where the homes were selling, you know, over the, the list price and stuff like that. But um, I've always just been a buyer's agent, and I love it. I love taking that guy off the street, helping him buy a house. Hmm. Um, you know, I guess there's just, you know, everyone has their own preferences, but for me, I, I just really enjoy being a buyer's agent. But, hey, I'm a young guy. You never know. Maybe one day down the road when I grow up, you know, maybe I'll become a seller's agent. You never know. <laughs> well, again, back to what I was saying before, I think it's always easier to sell something, to shop for what people want than sell them what you have. I mean, it's like I heard this guy use an analogy once where 
It's like you go and you make a fantastic dinner, and then you go out on the street and you try to sell you this dinner that you've made to people walking down the sidewalk. Like, who's going to buy that? It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like, well, this is weird. But what if instead you took orders and you went to people on the sidewalk and said, what would you like to eat? I'll make it for you. All right? And then you go and make it for them and give it to them. How many more meals do you think you're going to sell? And I think that a lot of realtors dismiss by being buyer's agents and working with buyers as not being um, good enough for them or something like that. And I think it's a big mistake. And I think sure. this, I think the same with a lot of investors. It's my opinion. Uh, they kind of dismiss, uh, you know, finding the investor buyers first and being a, a company that can help them. But I'm telling you, if you want to do a lot of deals, I mean, not too many listing agents, Murphy, say that they've sold over a thousand homes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's interesting. Yeah, not too many listing agents will say they've sold over a thousand homes like you have. Um, what what kind of volume are you doing right now, Murphy? If you don't mind me asking, how many, you know, over the last six months or so, how many houses like this do you do on average a month? Well, we probably do about fifteen to twenty lease purchases every month. Wow! And then we probably have you know about a twenty five percent to thirty percent you know uh, closeout ratio. You know, still less than half of the folks really buy the home, which is kind of mind boggling, I tell you. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, we, we probably do about 15 to 20 lease purchases every month and probably, you know, have about, you know, three to seven closings every month. Okay. Now, what is the average length of time that a tenant buyer will buy the house on average? You know what I mean? I'd say about a year. But with our program, we advertise that we'll go up to three years there. Okay. Okay. And what price range are you typically working with of, of homes? Well, I'd say the average is probably about a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, that's a sweet spot in St. Louis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And we do some in two hundred thousand. Um, but I, I mean, on average, probably it's between that a hundred, one hundred twenty thousand to one hundred fifty thousand, so right around in there. Okay. And how many? Uh, you, you. I know the marketing that you do. It's it's really effective, and we'll talk about that in a minute if you don't mind. But um, you get a lot of calls every day, don't you? Yeah, we do. <laughs> so, like, how do you handle that? And and when somebody calls, kind of, can you walk through what happens when you talk to them? Sure. So when somebody calls in, they're calling probably about an ad that I have on social media, like on a Craigslist type ad. And they're calling in about a house that uh, is available for a lease or lease to purchase. And by the way, can and, I ask you about that? Sure, go ahead. Um, are those are those real houses? <laughs> you know, like some people, and, and they can get in trouble for this. I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, will advertise houses that aren't really listed or aren't really theirs. Uh, are those really houses that are listed for lease purchase? Yeah, so those are homes that are available for like a lease to purchase. Okay. But what I do is I don't actually put the ad, the address to the home ah. on the ad there. Okay. Because okay. what I want to do, I want to get the phone call into me. Okay. Because like the tricky thing about when you're when you have a lease purchase program, like there's some investors out there that will only do like a six month lease purchase. Yeah. Some will do twelve months. Some will do two or three years. So you really got to get the client in the office first qualify them for, you know, and figure out, hey, is this guy, you know, six months away from doing a lease purchase, 12 months? Has he just filed a bankruptcy, so he needs two years? Did he have a short sale a year ago, so he needs a two-year lease purchase? You know, you kind of got to figure out 
where they are so that you can properly match them up with the right houses, basically. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So when I take that phone call, uh, what I want to do, I want to find out what area they want to live in, how many bedrooms they're looking for, what kind of monthly payment they want to have. And if all that sounds like uh, reasonable answers that they give me, then, you know, my answer is, hey, it's obvious I can work with you. You know, what you need to do is go onto my website, schedule an appointment. So I try to drive all the traffic to my website. I got to take a bunch of phone calls all day, but luckily I don't have to schedule a bunch of appointments because the website will do that for me. Mm, Okay. I get them to the website. I got like three or four different videos on the website uh, that will kind of explain to them a little bit more detail how the lease purchase program works. And then I let them know, hey, watch the videos. If it sounds like it's something you want to do, then go ahead and make an appointment. And I'm very um, – I don't try to pressure anybody on it at all. Yeah. You know, It's like a real easygoing deal when you work with me and when you talk to me over the telephone. It's just like, hey, this is what I do. We have them in all areas. Go to the website, watch the videos, and make an appointment. Come in and see me. And then when they make that appointment, it gives them a list of everything they need. And um, there's also another video on there kind of explains, you know, why we charge a fee up front. But it gives them the option of just stopping in the office and just meeting with us. And I have people that do that all day long because there are so many scams out there, especially in the lease purchase realm, that people like to come into the Remax office, you know, and just meet a live person. And so many of our best clients, that's what they do first. They come in and meet us first and they're like, hey, this sounds like something we would like to do. And they reschedule another appointment, come back a week or two later and and get the ball started there. Now, what kind of office do you have? How many staff do you have working with you? I'm just an agent in the office. So I have okay. my own private office here in the at the Remax office over on Watson Road there. Okay. Do, yep. you, have, do you have agents underneath you? No. Nope. Uh, I have one agent that works with me and shows the houses for me there. But he, he sells his own houses, and then he also works with me. He shows all the homes for me. Okay, so... Um, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit then about you got a tenant buyer that looks good. Um, you're going to do a, help them do a lease purchase. Do you drive them around town all day looking at houses, or how do you get them to select a house? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. So we, what we do is we put together a home search form when they come into the office. That goes out to their email. And then I have a pretty in-depth uh, buyer's agency contract. It's about six pages with additional forms and stuff. And this one thing about doing a lease purchase program is you have to be pretty disciplined with the client about what the expectations are because you could easily go broke, like you said, driving somebody around all day long. So my contract with the buyer says that uh, they'll go out and take a ride past the homes first before we schedule a time to take them on the inside. It says that uh, they can choose up to four homes to look at. We'll go out, show them all four homes at the same time. And then after that, it says that they'll come in and make two different offers before we take them out again. So obviously, you wouldn't do a traditional buyer, just a regular buyer this way. And you don't treat anybody bad, Joe, uh, if they're a lease purchase client. But you do have to, if you're going to have a successful lease purchase program, you have to have certain things in place or else you could absolutely go broke. Mm. You know, you could spend so much money working with them up front that it just simply wouldn't work out. And so what I do is I try to explain it really, really well to the client in the beginning. I let them know, hey, you know, if you could buy a home today, you know, we'll take you out, kiss your kids, buy you lunch, you know, and uh, we'll show you the homes until the, you know, until the uh, stars set at night. 
But on a lease to purchase program, I let them know, hey, you know, guys, I don't get paid till you buy the home. So, you know, there's a fair amount of money that I spend up front working with you. And right. if you explain it to them really well, then they're fine with that. You know, they understand why, you know, we're going to show them three or four homes and they got to come in and make two different offers. But if that doesn't work out, then well, I'll send my guy out and show him another three or four homes. So that that's the process. And that, you know, that took a couple of years to implement that and kind of get mm -hmm. it refined. But uh, I tell you, it really works um, when you have that system in place. So do you mind if I ask what – how does it typically work with realtors when they – you know, you're the main buyer's agent, but you have somebody underneath you that's doing some of the legwork for you. How do you – how does the commission structures work with them? Well, basically, I pay my guy – um, he gets uh, 20% of all the 250s that walk in the door. Okay. So client comes in and pays $250, he gets $50 there. And then I pay, I try to pay his gas money every week, so I stipend him for his gas. And then he gets 20% of the bonus. So 20% of the bonus that's collected up front goes straight to him. Okay. And then he gets, I pay him $500 on a closing. Okay, nice. Yep. And then, you know, he runs his own business, too. So, he, you know, he sells homes all day long uh, himself. So this is just like, you know, another uh, side income for him, you know, where he can make, you know, an extra, you know, $2,500 to $5,000 a month, you know, and still run a uh, real estate business also. Well, that's – and you're doing enough of these deals, 15 to 20 a month. That's pretty good money for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he doesn't have to write any contracts. All he does is show the houses there. Oh, that's awesome. He doesn't have – Yep, just runs around, shows the houses, and doesn't have to meddle with any contracts, you know, do any of that kind of thing. Excellent, excellent. So when can you talk a little bit about – and Murphy, I so appreciate you taking the time to share this stuff. I know a lot of our listeners are, are just digging this, and, and this is going to be one of my most popular podcast episodes. <laughs> I promise. We have a lot of uh, realtors listening to this and have scratched their heads thinking, how can I do lease purchasing as a realtor, um, one of my best friends and clients, um, his name is, um, oh, I forgot it, Vic, um, uh, Will, <laughs> I almost said Victor, uh, was a realtor back in 2008. And um, I was teaching the lease purchase concept to investors. And he heard my webinar or conference call or something like that. And he was sitting on his couch, uh, his kids are at school. And he had no food in the refrigerator. And mm. he didn't know how he was going to feed them food. He had no food to feed them for dinner that night. And he looked at his, he was sitting on his couch and looked at his couch and said, you know what, I can sell this on Craigslist. And he sold his couch on Craigslist, got about 80 bucks that day, and had enough money to get a little bit of gas and go buy some groceries for his kids. And he heard me talking about lease purchasing. And this was back in 2011, maybe. No, 2010, actually. 2010, I believe. And decided, you know what? I could do this as a realtor. He's in Salt Lake City, Utah. And uh, within a few months, uh, he's making uh, very, very good money. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he was making uh, the most money he'd ever had in his life doing lease purchasing and just helping clients. And he chose to focus instead on the higher-end homes. So in the Salt Lake City market, he was focusing on homes like $250,000, dollars and up in that price range. Um, but he was doing a ton of these deals as an agent. And just like you, he had a really good uh, a couple agents underneath him that were working for him, kind of driving around, helping people find the homes. Um, but 
man, I get so excited to know that there there's a lot of people out there who are maybe have their licenses right now and are struggling to find listings, right? They're struggling to find these sellers that are willing to list their house with them because it's a cutthroat business. There's a lot of realtors out there, especially now, that are trying to find all these sellers. And there's very few realtors that are marketing for buyers. And there's a huge untapped market right now for buyers. Even though the it's getting a little easier to get mortgages now, there's still a ton of buyers that want to buy a house right now but can't, right? And very few people servicing them. So that's uh, that's really exciting, Murphy. Would you agree? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love my business. I mean, I, I love helping people every day. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, so can I ask you a few more questions about the tenant buyers? When they come into your office, uh, you've pre-screened them a little bit by making them go to the website, watch some videos. Um, do they fill out an application before they come to your office? Nope, they just set the appointment. Okay, they just set the appointment. They come to your office. You have them fill out an application, I'm assuming, while they're there? Yeah, so when they come in, uh, the website prompts them to bring the, you know, their last year W-2 form and a current pay stub. Or if they're self-employed, you know, it says contact me to get more information. So when they come in, then basically I'll sit down with them, and I still have a mortgage software on one of my old dinosaur computers here. And I can kind of take just like a, a, a short kind of loan application to kind of help them figure out what kind of sales price they need to stay around. So that's where my mortgage um, background kind of comes in handy is I can actually sit down and figure out their debt to income ratio and figure out what price range of a home they're going to qualify for based on the kind of mortgage payment they want to have when they actually buy the house. Okay. Are there are there certain things you see on their credit that you could you would say, listen, this isn't going to work for you? That you would say no, you cannot do a lease purchase? You know, we wouldn't turn anybody away at all. It's just the length of lease purchase would have to be longer. So, uh, for instance, I've had clients that have come in that maybe they just had so much, you know, negative on their credit reports that they said, you know what, we're never going to be able to pay all this off. We're just going to go file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And, you know, with a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you can buy a home two years from the discharge date. So hmm. we would just set them up on like a two-year or a three-year lease to purchase. Um if they had a foreclosure, you know, they can buy a home three years from that foreclosure date. So, no, really, we really wouldn't turn anybody away. Um, maybe just if their income was completely whacked out from what they were trying to do, we may just have to be honest with them and let them know, hey, you, there's no way you qualify for a $300,000 home when you only make enough for, you know, a $100,000 home. So do you – do sometimes you think about, well, okay, when they buy the house, they're going to have to have – well, I guess most of them go into FHA, right? So they just need 3.5%? Correct. Most of all of our clients will do an FHA loan. Do you ever think? Do you ever get concerned like they will not have 3.5% in a year or two to put down on the home? It's possible, but we try to educate them in the beginning. So the cool thing about doing a lease purchase, the way we do it, is you lock in the sales price of the home up front. So when they enter into that contract, they know exactly how much they're paying for the home, and um, so they know exactly, you know, we can figure out exactly what three and a half percent of that amount is. And then you subtract their security deposit off of that. And so you, you, you tell the client, hey, this is exactly how much you need at the end of the time frame. And then, hey, you can help them divide that up over 12 months. So, Mr. Miss Smith, you need to put, a, you know, one hundred and twenty dollars away in order to have all your money ready at the end of this 12 months or the end of the 18 months. So we try to make it feasible for them. You know, we try to make it a win-win situation because ultimately we don't get paid unless they buy the house. Yeah. Um, but having said all that, Joe, you know, still it's only you know twenty to 
30% of the people actually do buy the homes. Um, do you think you would do better if you required a larger option deposit or down payment? You know, sometimes, you know, we, I, think, I think in general, the more money they put down, the more serious they are about buying the house there. Okay. So absolutely. I, I think that's a true statement, 100%. The pull-through ratio is better on those. Okay, so if you probably do fewer deals if you did that, but you would have higher success rate if you did, right? Yeah, and then realize it's not up to me as far as what the seller asked for for the deposit there. Okay. So, you know, if a seller's willing to take a lower deposit, then, you know, that's really just, you know, as a buyer's agent, you know, I do have somewhat of a fiduciary responsibility to them. You know, if they're able to do that, then, hey, you know, that's, that, that's, that's I guess, the decision that the seller made there. Okay, so during the lease option period, lease purchase period, do you um, continue to work with the tenant buyer at all? Do they come into your office and you help them with credit counseling? Or Absolutely. The contract says that they'll come and meet with me every 30 days. Okay. And then probably over the last couple of years, though, I've, I've shifted that over to the loan officers more and more. Okay, good. And so you have loan officers willing to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm, we sure do. Nice. And do tenant buyers typically do that? You know, well, I guess Joe, about you know twenty-five to thirty yeah. percent of them. Yeah. You yeah. know, they they all say that they will all do it when they get into the house, but you know, I guess just life kind of has them doing other different things. And you know, I like to think, Joe, that my program is a second chance for everybody. Mm. I mean, everyone walks the doors here; they got a second chance to, you know, do whatever they need to do. But unfortunately, some people. I guess just the decisions that they've made in life have brought them to that position. And some people uh, will just, uh, they continue those same patterns, you know. Yeah. But uh, I've been doing this for a while now. I tell you, I've had some clients that have, I've literally helped get like maybe two or three different lease purchase homes there. And they finally got it together like on the second, third. Uh, I had one lady that put four different lease purchases and she just closed on the home this past year in 2016. So it took her four tries, but wow. she finally. They finally did it, though. <laughs> okay. Um, now, for marketing for tenant buyers, you do a lot of Craigslist ads. You do some social media, Facebook. Do you do, you do Facebook ads? I'm just curious. No, not too much, no. We, we okay. uh, advertise um, when we put a client in. in we kind of just celebrate the success on Facebook, but not too much advertising, though. Uh, how, how on earth do you do all the Craigslist ads that you do? I mean, you're, you're all over Craigslist. I see you there all the time. Do you have you don't do those ads yourself, right? You have you have an assistant yep, that's that helps what I you. Do. I basically sit in the office all day, work with the clients, and run the ads there. Oh my goodness! I, and and then have you had problems with Craigslist getting ghosted, or do you have to like do you have a bunch of different accounts that you you use to do that with? No, you know I've had to change the account maybe just a couple times over the last couple of years. Wow! But. For uh, for whatever reason, I don't have much of a problem. You know, you just hit the renew button and renew them every two or three days. You know, put in new ads. You get a couple flagged here and there, but um, good for you. Yeah, I don't really have a big problem on that. Thank goodness. <laughs> I I've had a big problem with Craigslist for some reason. I think they've flagged my IP address or something, and oh. I I can't even post a job on there to find a plumber to come fix something at my house. Really? I have, no, I can't. I have to get an assistant to post the ad for me. Um, huh. But anyway, the uh, that's just I've had frustrating time with Craigslist. The um, so the first thing, just so I'm clear, uh, the tenant buyer you find a good one, 
and you you send them first probably all the houses that are already listed on the MLS is available for lease purchase, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And if they if they don't see one that they like, do you then do you send them do you have them look at maybe the properties that are listed on the MLS for rent next? Is that like a good next type of home to show them? Well, I'm sorry, Joe. Actually, you know what I do in the beginning is I set them up on three different searches. Okay. So the first one is the ones that are advertised for lease to purchase. Uh huh. And then the second one is exactly what you said: the homes that are listed for lease. And because some of those are actually available for lease purchase here in the St. Louis market, I guess. Uh, I guess this is a national uh, podcast. But yeah. here in St. Louis, what some agents do, Joe, is they'll put a home out there for lease mm-hmm. and also for sale. Right. Now the sale listing doesn't actually denote a lease purchase option or. So if you didn't have both searches going, you wouldn't get that potential house. Right. So we put together a, a search for homes that are uh, for lease to purchase, also homes that are for lease, then do a third search for homes that are in the area that they want to live in that are for sale, not a foreclosure, that have been on the market for a certain amount of time there. Okay. And I call that the possible lease purchase. Okay. So I let them know, hey, Mr. and Ms. Jones, you know, this is not saying that the seller is going to for sure do a lease to purchase, but... You know, we you know we can make an offer in any one of these homes, and, and I've gotten just hundreds and hundreds of contracts accepted from that uh, pool of houses. You know, over the years there. Amazing. And so, do you you just submit the offer, or do you call the agent up to give him a heads up warning? Not a warning, but like a heads up that you're sending them no, a lease purchase offer. I, I learned a long time ago just to submit the offer. It's so funny. I remember you know just years ago doing lease purchases. I would call the agents up all the time and ask, hey. You think your client would be interested mm-hmm. in a lease purchase? And they're like, oh, no, no way. No, no. Because they don't want to do a lease purchase. They don't want to wait a year or two for their money. Right. And maybe rightly so. I mean, maybe they're spending money advertising the house. You know, hey, I, I get it. So, But what I found out, Joe, was when I just sent over an offer, as we both know that offer has to be presented to the seller, you know, lo and behold, Mr. and Ms. Seller, they were, they were interested in a lease to purchase. So... <laughs> So we've decided that, no, hey, we don't uh, – we, of course, give them a courtesy call let them know they have an offer on their email, but we just make the offer there. Nice. nice. Get into the hands of the seller and see, let's see what the seller has to say about it. So how does how do you structure the paperwork? You have – I'm assuming – in fact, you know what? You submitted an offer on one of my houses one time, probably about five or six years ago. I'm sure you don't okay. remember. Um, but you submitted a lease and for two years. And a purchase and sale contract with a closing date in two years. Is that still the way you do it? Absolutely. Just use the regular forms from our board here in St. Louis. Uh-huh. Uh, they have just a regular lease, and the lease has a box on page four or four of the lease that says this lease agreement is part of a lease purchase contract. So you just check that box. And then on the sales contract, uh, there is underneath the riders, there's a, a spot where the lease is attached to the sales contract as a rider. And just marry those two together, and then uh, you know the purchase con uh, the purchase uh, date is on or before the end of the lease, so it coincides with the end of the lease. There. Do you have to add any lease purchase specific language, like, you know, if a tenant buyer is putting five thousand dollars down, um, do you have to add any language for like that'll be credited towards the purchase of the home, or does that is that like yep. earnest? Is that going the earnest money? section? I normally don't put it in as earnest money. Uh, sometimes I'll have a listing agent that will do a counter offer for earnest money, but my typical contract, uh, the all the money that you know, I ask the client, you know, how much do you want to offer down, letting them know you got a better chance of getting the offer accepted the higher deposit is. I just stick that all underneath the security deposit, 
And then underneath the special agreements, um, you're absolutely correct, Joe. You, you put in underneath the special agreements, I write in that the security deposit is to be credited back to the buyer at the time that they purchase the home. If they don't buy the home, the seller gets to retain the security deposit. Okay. And then for the uh, the the agents, the buyer's agency commission, that's the $1,000 and half of one month's rent. That is written in the buyer's agency agreement with your buyer, right? Correct. And so how do you negotiate that with the seller's agent? Well, you're supposed to put it on a commission agreement form and send it over with the offer there. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's generally why I do it. And sometimes I'll just write in the sales contract, which is probably a no-no. You're really not supposed to do that. Sometimes I'll just write in there for the uh, seller to pay buyer's agent half of the first month's rent, um, plus the commission listed in the MLS when they buy the home. Okay. And then sometimes the seller will come back and do a counteroffer and, and delete that out of the contract. A lot of times they'll just sign off on it. And my broker doesn't love that, Joe, I tell you. But, <laughs> you know, uh, on the other hand, you got to have something in there about that. Um, or else, you know, you can end up uh, not getting anything at all. So it's a fine line there. <laughs> fine line. Well, the, the, the gentleman I was talking about before in Salt Lake City, Utah, he said every deal was different. And it was a negotiating game. A lot of times, he if he had a really good tenant buyer, he would talk to the listing agent and negotiate with them over the phone how it was going to work. And um, if he had a buyer that had ten, twenty thousand dollars put down on the house, he would negotiate as much of his commission as he could get up front. And he would just basically ask the listing agent, you know, how much of your commission do you want now? And let the agent tell him, well, if you're going to do a lease purchase, I'll be glad to get. Uh, you know, one month's rent and get the rest if and when the buyer buys the house in a year or two. And uh, so then he would just work it out where he sometimes he would get his full 3% commission at the front end. That's fantastic. That's great. Now, you just I think it's negotiable and, and it, it it doesn't. It's yeah, I think it's just negotiable. And if you've got a really good buyer who's got some good money to put down, it's not like it's any money coming out of the seller's pocket at that point. But uh Huh, something to think about. Interesting. Now, um, you, you get a lot of calls, Murphy. I mean, do do you have an assistant or somebody that helps you with the calls, or do you just they go right to your cell phone? How, how do you handle that? Yep, they just go right to the cell phone. I try to take as many calls as I can. If I can't uh, take the phone call, then I have a pre-programmed text message that can be sent out. So all of my ads are run uh, to a main line that is then forwarded to my uh, cell phone there, unless I'm on vacation or something like that. Um, okay. But that's basically my job to sit around all day long and take ad calls and send people to the website, and I'll try to shoot them a text message that lets them know, hey, I'm on the other line, I'm in the office, call you back shortly if I miss the phone call. Um, but yeah, that's my job is to uh, take a bunch of calls all day long and strum up business. <laughs> so you you can handle it. I mean, you're not you're not the, the, your phone's not strapped to your ear, right? I mean, your wife's still you're still married, so you're you do have boundaries, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I get out of here for two and a half hours. I go to the gym every day from like eleven thirty to two, and you got to just turn that phone off. Um, yeah, but you know, I do take a ton of phone calls. I guess it's the nature of this business is you get a lot of phone calls. Well, it's one of the reasons why you do so many business. You do so much business is because you're accessible. Most realtors, and it's so frustrating today, isn't it? You you try to call an agent and you get the voicemail. Uh, they never call you back. You gotta call them three, four times. Um, even on the investing side, 
the people that I see doing the best, making the most money, are the ones who answer their phones. It's a, it's a lost art. No, it's unbelievable. No, yeah, I can't. Yeah, you're so right about that. So right. Um, cool. So I'm just looking at my questions here. You've done such an awesome job answering. Oh yeah. Um, do you, when it comes to recording the option, or do you? Is that up to the listing agent and the seller to worry about? Um, or do you kind of do you ever try to get the the agreement recorded in the county to to cloud the title that there's somebody here that is going to buy the house? Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I tell you the truth, I've never even thought about thought about it, Joe. I've, I don't think I've ever seen one recorded. It's okay. really interesting, but no, generally it's just an agreement, you know, uh, between the buyer and the seller. It's normally put on most of the ones that I do are you know listed on the MLS, so it normally goes into like a pending status. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's interesting. Do you know some people that will actually have that recorded like that? Yeah, yeah, I've done it on some of my deals before. Um, when when I'm doing a deal, sometimes uh, it just depends. I'll let the 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 way I typically on my own deals, I will let the tenant buyer record the option if they want to with the seller's written permission and consent. Hmm. Um, because if it does a couple things, which is good for depending on who you're who you are. It's good for the buyer because it protects their interest in the property. Um, so if the, the seller tries to sell the house, that recorded that option or that contract clouds the title. Um, so the new buyer, who if the new buyer were to buy the house, they would know that, oh, there's a contract to buy this house already that's in front of mine for a certain price. Um, but it also, since it clouds the title, the seller would have a hard time potentially refinancing it right? Um, if, if the title is clouded. So I'm not sure exactly how all that works, um, but it does protect the buyer's interest in the home so that, um, you know, the, the, it just, it just puts the world on notice that, Hey, I have a contract to buy this house in two years for this price. And, uh, now the, that, that leads me to another question though, about, you know, have you ever had the situation where the seller stops making the payments, they collect the rent, they don't make the payments to the bank, the house goes to foreclosure, has that ever happened to you? Only one time in in, in the last uh, you know since we've been doing it since 2008. Wow! Uh, yeah, just one time, and I guess I think the reason behind that, um, Joe, is because I'm matching them up with other homes that are listed on the MLS. Mm-hmm. Like if they were just regular homes that were maybe out on Craigslist, where the seller is trying to do something maybe underhandedly, then um, yeah, I think there would be a higher ratio of that kind of thing happening, but. The homes that I match them up with, you know, 95% of, of all the houses are homes that are out there listing with another agent. So I feel like if that seller has took the time to retain the services of an agent to list the home, then they're less likely to do something, you know, underboard. Um, but back in 2008, 2009, 2010, that was like the number one question that I was getting from my lease purchase clientele as they were coming to the office and they were like, Hey, Murphy, you know, I'm renting a house right now and it's getting foreclosed on. I mean, literally, Joe, I say half of my clients at that wow. time, that was their position. You know, wow. they were li- living in a home, paying the rent, and the landlord was letting it go. And they were like, well, Murph, what's going to happen? You know, if I don't want to do this again, you know, I don't want to get into a lease purchase home and then make all the payments on time and the seller let the home go again. And my answer then was, was the same one that I would, would give to you is that, you know, hey, you know, Mr. and Ms. Jones, all the homes I match up with are going to be listed through another real estate agent. And, you know, that should really weed out those sellers that are trying to do something kind of funny there. And 
I guess it really has. You know, we've only had that happen one time. I've uh, sometimes I'll set up an escrow company that will um, uh, you know, escrow the money, so they'll take it from the tenant buyer and pay the mortgage. And uh, that has been that gives kind of the the tenant some more security, knowing that it is going to actually um, get pay the mortgage first. But um, that's fascinating. You've only had one problem with that over the, all the years yep. and all the deals that you've done. Really, really good. And I think you're right. Because the house is listed with a, with a realtor, it tends to be a better, um, a better situation. Do you ever um, – so do you – what percentage of the homes that you find for the tenant buyers are actually on the MLS? Do you ever go to Craigslist and just to FISBOs and, and regular landlords to try to make an offer to them? Not much. I'd say, you know, about 90, really, you know, close to about 98% of all the homes are on the MLS there. Nice. Nice. Okay, good. And we've been fortunate that way. Um, Sometimes I wonder, I think, Joe, maybe, you know, I could find some more deals if I did kind of scour Craigslist all day long. But I guess if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. You know what I mean? Um, But, you know, every once in a while I kind of wonder, you know, hey, maybe if I was out looking for homes a little bit more, maybe it would make things a little easier sometimes. But generally we're able to find them something right through the MLS there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, Joe, it isn't that home is being advertised as a lease to purchase. It's that home that has been on the market for a while, um, that hasn't sold, that, that is vacant, you know where the seller maybe was relocated out of town for a job and now they're making two payments, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, we've had a lot of success on those kind of deals. You know, I was thinking about when you were talking about all the calls that you get, I just found this service last night, yesterday. Um, it's called livecom.com, L-I-V-E-C-O-M-M.com, livecom.com. And one of the cool things that it does that I've never seen another service do is that if you have a, it'll give you a virtual phone number. It'll give you a phone number that can either be redirected to your cell phone or can be redirected to a voicemail. But it collects every phone number that calls you and will add them into a texting system. And so you can set it up where it automatically sends them a text back. And later on down the road, you could say, all right, send a text to everybody who has been all these phone numbers that have I collected and send them a text just saying, you know, it could be any message you want. Hey, um, we've, we, are you still looking for a lease purchase home? The, we have a bunch of them in inventory right now or whatever. And it's a way for you to, depending on, by, by based on different numbers, collecting these phone numbers and to have the ability to send mass text messages to them later on down the road. I don't know if you would find any use for that or not. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to look into that. Livecom.com, L-I-V-E-C-O-M-M dot C-O-M. And the guy who created this was an investor. He does a lot of owner financing in the Texas market, I believe. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting. I'm looking at this right now, and I, I've i not seen any a service that does it like this. But uh, Cool, Murphy, last question. What do you do for fun? Talk about uh, do you – I, you, you've got um, an awesome family. Do you, do you guys? What do you guys do for for vacations and when you need to get away from the business? Well, we I like to take vacations. I love to travel. Uh, me and my three little guys. So I have a twenty year old and a nineteen year old, and the nineteen year old is actually my ex stepson. Okay. Um, and of course, those two they don't want to do anything with you anymore when they're twenty and nineteen. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, so my three little guys, we just went skiing. We went over to uh, Chestnut Mountain Valley, which is out in Galena, Illinois. Uh-huh. So we, you know, my little guys, they like to ski. And we like to take vacations. I went up to Canada this December. I was born in Vancouver, Canada, but lived just about all my life here in St. Louis. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, if you if you, you don't find me here at the office, I'm a handball fanatic. That's what I my sport that I like to play. So handball. If you ever been, wow. Yeah, if you ever been over Forest Park and you know where the three wall handball court is, you know some of my clients if they don't they know if I'm not in the office, I'm either on the handball court. So I've been I've been tracked down over there a couple times. Why handball, not racquetball or squash? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I just went over to Forest Park one day about, you know, 15 years ago, saw these guys playing handball. I said, this has got to be the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And I've been playing it almost every day for about the last, you know, seven or eight years. I was going to ask you what, you spend a lot of time at the gym every day, but, uh, you're playing handball. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I'll leave, if I don't have a handball game, then I'll just do some running or swim some laps in the uh, summertime or in the wintertime. But Summertime, I'll just head straight to my office. I go straight out to the handball courts at Forest Park and play for a good hour and a half, two hours, and, and get back to get back to work. I've watched. I used to play a lot of racquetball, and uh, okay. I, I I I watched the handball guys, and I was like, oh, how on earth? That looks like it's too much work because <laughs> you hit the ball doesn't go very far. No, it's a heck of a game, I tell you, Joe. I took it up in. Um, you know, I guess it's been, uh, yeah, I guess about, you know, 15 years ago. And you go out there, and it looks like it would be easy to do. And, you know, there's some 60-year-old guy that just beats the pants off of you because he knows where to put the ball at. You know, it's a thinking man game. You know, you can do so many different things with the ball. And it's, man, I love it. I love the stupid game. I play it way too much. And <laughs> I just love it. That's good. Good for you. And um, so you got three little kids living with you. And I bet they yep. keep you busy. They sure do. That's awesome. Well, Murphy, I so appreciate you taking the time to uh, answer my questions. That's awesome. If people want to get more information about you, um, it, what, is, there, is there a place they can go, a website or an email that you would like to give out? Sure. They can always go to my website. That's murphyhomesolutions.com. And that's the lease purchase website. And they can always send me an email at rpmurphy at gmail.com. Murphy for the emails, M-U-R-F-Y. So many Murphys out there, they've taken all the email addresses, but it's rpmurfy at gmail.com. Okay, good. R-P-M-U-R-F-Y at gmail.com. You got it. RP, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thank you for... Uh, being a good ambassador for the lease purchase industry. I think that's really, really awesome. Hey, thank you, Joe. It's been a blast. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, that was such an awesome interview, wasn't it? So if you want the show notes, don't forget to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Do a search for Murphy, and you will find that. And uh, check out the show notes. It wasn't that a great interview. I appreciate um, Murphy coming on the show like that. And just spilling the beans, telling us how he does his business. I'm telling you, lease purchasing is one of my favorite strategies in the world because there is so much demand for these types of homes. And uh, over a 1,000 properties in his career. That's a lot more than most listing agents out there, isn't it? So, all right, guys, take care, and we'll talk to you later. Goodbye.